to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game tea podcast my name is jp and i'm czar no zach in the studio today it is just czar and i taking on the news for today so czar of course before we get started what are you playing Ooh, i'm still on zombie army 4 it is really yes there is so much content to that game and it is just endless rpg zombie gory fun in the most polite non-offensive way I can say this possible. I'm surprised there's a decent amount of content in that game. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> the story is pretty much as in-depth as Left 4 Dead's story. You know, it's just zombie Hitler. Go kill him. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, what, there's more? Yeah, and you just tromp around Europe. You know, you visit Rome, you visit Paris, you visit Venice, and you kill zombies along the way. So it's more along the lines of just seeing the world and killing everything you need. Right. And I mean, with OG zombie games like Left 4 Dead or hell, I don't know, Dead Island, like, that was the expectation for zombie games. And then Dying Light came along and completely changed the way we think about zombie games. So maybe, I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I guess, like, their influence is like, fuck, I know this is a game about just killing zombies, but we need depth. Well, maybe... Maybe. I, I I don't know. I don't know how in-depth zombie games necessarily need to get, but what I really think is funny about this uh, genre franchise is it's basically making fun of Call of Duty because Call of Duty yeah. started the <laughs> Nazi zombie things, and then Zombie Army's like, hey, we could do it better. And have they? I, I think so. Um, the gameplay has gotten a little stale because the grinding of guns, like gun mastery, is yeah, just yeah. painful. And I mean, I know we rip on Call of Duty all the fucking time, rightfully so. Yeah. But if I can give them one piece of credit, I genuinely think everything they did with zombies up until like Black Ops 3 was pretty damn good. Like, do you remember, and especially. The first time we saw the zo these zombies was World at War, Call of Duty World at War. Yeah. Did you play that? I did. I did. I played the shit out of World at War. That that was a fun Call of Duty game. That was like one of the last good ones. Do you remember when you finish the campaign, you think it's all done, and then all of a sudden you're just on the ground, it's foggy, and zombies start fucking running at you? Yes, that was such a mind fuck because yeah. you're like historical moments here fighting in an actual war that happened these events really took place and then all of a sudden it's like yeah. nazi zombies everywhere <laughs> you're like oh, i guess i missed that part of the history yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where did that come from there's two points to that number one i think it's crazy in my opinion those are some of the best zombies yeah are in the, that call of duty game yeah. The nah. sounds, the look, I think that's some of the best zombies. It's it's surprising how just a war game nailed those horror aspects <laughs> yeah. so wonderfully, and then they totally took ten steps away from their original goal. I mean, even in zombies itself, like the everything again, up until like a certain point was fine with zombies, but then it's like I wanna say Black Ops three or Black Ops Four. Just fucking they stopped giving a shit. It was just it wasn't about the zombies anymore. It was just fucking wacky. It was, yeah, and it was assumed that it would be shoehorned in. Right. And like, that it would be there. And so that took a lot of pressure off of them to really keep making it unique, you yeah. know? They just kept coasting and riding off their own hype, but... <laughs> you know, I like Zombie Army 4, and that's what I'm playing. What are you playing, JP? So I can't... I'm playing a couple of different games right now. I can't give one of them away, mm. because... I'm using it for something we're doing next week. Ooh, okay, okay. I can't do that. But what I can do 
is uh, tell you that I've gone back to Skate 3. A classic, Did, yes. did you ever get into the skate games? Oh, yeah. Skate, as soon as, you know, the glory days of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 were done, mm-hmm. immediately I went to skate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, Tony Hawk is amazing because it got the franchise started. Um, but if, you've, if you're not someone who's played skate before, it's so fucking weird because, like, they actually put a lot in that game. Yeah. Like, they really fucking did. Like, the physics makes sense. The tricks are cool. Like, the angles on the escape, it, it all looks really good. Yeah, the mechanics. Plays well. Everything looked pretty realistic and felt realistic. Uh, now, really, the only thing I ever did in that game was find the highest point in a map <laughs> yeah. and just launch myself mm. off that bitch. Just watch the x-rays. Play play Hall of Meat. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah, Hall, Hall of, of Meat. meat. That's, that, what. that's the best. Yes, yes. Love it. I used to do that with my buddies. we just get into my buddy's basement and just have a beer. You know, because we, we were so young at the time. Because <laughs> we were old enough to drink. Anyway. Can I say that? Actually, can I sponsor underage drinking? <laughs> you can say you did it, but <laughs> you can't endorse keep, it. Keep that in the pod too. Just be like, can I promote underage drinking? <laughs> you can't promote it, but you can you can claim your past mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I drank a bush light, and to be fair, I regretted it ever since. Hell, I had a bush light yesterday and I regretted it ever since. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so. That's what I'm doing right now. Again, playing something else, not giving it away just yet. So, now that we got that out of the way, Zar, how would you like to do itinerary for All today? right, I can do that itinerary. Today on the podcast, we are hitting on the new Sonic Frontiers story trailer. Diablo be stealing souls. We got the Sony versus Microsoft buyout editions, take 72. Ooh. We got some quick takes and some game releases to close out the show. All right, so... First things first for the day, uh, we got a Sonic trailer on August 23rd, 2022, right? Now, we both had an opportunity to watch it. Uh, Zar, you watched it, right? Yeah, 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 we both watched it. Now, I've got some nitty-gritty I want to get into with the trailer. Of course, we'll post it on Twitter in case you have not seen it yet, but um, we're just going to give some initial reactions. So, it was just a two-minute trailer, Zar. We've been talking a little bit of shit on Sonic Frontiers. Not yeah. that I don't think it's warranted, right? Yeah, well, the first trailer we got, there wasn't much there. Like, there, it it really felt like they Literally, were, there wasn't much there. <laughs> they last minute decided to show what they were working on with Sonic Frontiers. But this time around, we actually saw a game. So before you get into the nitty gritty, um, just initial thoughts on the trailer. What do you think? I think it looked good. Um, yep. it was it was completely cinematic. There was very little gameplay, mm-hmm. um, but the cinematics looked good, and it looked like it had kind of a compelling story, which is kind of weird right? for a Sonic game. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So, the trailer again, very brief, two minute trailer. It introduces a lot. So, number one, we've got this really funky looking villain that's like I think you made the comment of like. It's a very digital-looking atmosphere. Yeah, everything kept glitching in and out and felt like code. Code. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Code. Like, even the villain kind of has, like, those, like, rectangly purplish, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, kind of, like... computer corruption, error pr- bars. Pr- precisely. Yeah. But, I mean, like, the so that sounds cartoonish enough, right? Like, okay, that sounds Sonic. But it was some of the things they were saying in the trailer, just, like, you can't run anymore, Sonic. Yeah. And I, like I'm just like what the fuck? This yeah. is metal. This was it was dark. Like it it really felt like there was an impending doom looming above Sonic's head for the first time and it's like where's Dr. Eggman <laughs> kidnapping <dead>. bunny rabbits? <laughs> yes. Dr. Eggman's <laughs> like holy shit, this guy's hardcore. Here I was just turning rabbits into monsters. <laughs> this like, guy's fucking up the whole world. It reminds me a lot. This is going to be an obscure reference, but did you watch Parks and Rec? Yes. How yes, Tammy 2 was afraid of Tammy 1? Yeah. Even though Tammy 2 is evil, but then everyone's like, Tammy 1's coming. Tammy 2's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It's Tammy. It's, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. So, yeah. I mean, number one, we can see that Sonic Frontiers, better looking story. Next, I want to talk a little bit about the visuals. And before we get into the visuals, we have to address this, right? When it comes to a cinematic trailer, they've dressed this thing up pretty, right? They've <laughs> yeah. put on the makeup. They've put on the dress. So uh, I guess my question for you is, 
do you think what we've seen from the cinematic side, as beautiful as it is, right? Do you think it's going to be indicative of the final product that we get? Well, I certainly hope so. I, I hope that the cinematics we saw in this trailer were not made specifically for this trailer. Like, I hope every cutscene looks like that. I hope mm-hmm. all the cinematics are as beautiful, and I really hope that the gameplay's visuals uh, are very close to that cinematic representation. I really think that it will be. Um, number one, because... All this time that we've been talking about Sonic Frontiers today and every other episode, I, for some reason, got it in my head that it was a Nintendo exclusive. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned something about that earlier. And it's not! No, yeah, no, it seems kind of like it would be. It it looks a lot like Odyssey, uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and so immediately in my head it it rings uh, Nintendo Switch. No, and we'll we'll get to the end of the video here in a second, but no, like at the very end of the video, we get a release date along with, you know, for Switch, for PlayStation, for Xbox, for everything. Yeah. So I'm, I was very surprised. I'm like, really? And I mean, that gives me a lot more hope because a little bit of shade, if it were Nintendo spearheading the graphics department, I would have had a lot more doubt. Yeah, I, I imagine that what we saw in this cinematic trailer is going to be more akin to PlayStation, PC, Xbox, and not so much the Switch. That's what's nice. Uh, I love Zach, but one thing I will say is not having him here is I could be like, Nintendo's graphics are duty, and he'd be like, hey, hold on now. Hold on now. And I'm like, look, I love my Switch. You know I love my Switch. But there are caveats to the Switch. Absolutely. And that's one of them. Is it just looks like doo-doo sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's just not quite up to par with the rest of the modern consoles. I mean, hell, even the last time we were talking about Sonic Frontiers was because it was featured on a Nintendo Direct. Yeah. And our biggest fucking complaint was how not good the game looked. Exactly. Like, whatever optimization for this current trailer that we saw was not for the Nintendo Switch because the showcase on the Switch looked a lot different. The worlds were empty. And, I mean, I'm sure that was pre-alpha. Yeah. But, like, and the textures just weren't as gritty. Frame rate drops, the whole shebang. it, It did not look good. So... Visually, because we know that this is coming to a lot more, I am a lot more confident that we're going to get that cool-looking game we were really hoping for with Sonic. It's not just that. Along with the trailer, I think something else that blew me away was the different kinds of landscapes that it featured. Like, I think this trailer did a tremendous job of generating hype. And I can only imagine that Sega, when they were watching Nintendo Showcase, were like, oh my god, people are going to think this game fucking sucks now. (laughs) (laughs) But no, after watching this, I'm a lot more hyped. So, for example, we know this is supposed to be open-world Sonic, right? The number one thing that surprised me is all the different kinds of landscapes that they presented. For me, I'm a sucker for, like, a city landscape vibe. Yeah. And that was one of the first things they featured. The dystopian... Uh, post-apocalyptic city crumbling right. in the distance. Yeah, no, that's always a... That's my vibe, man. That's a fun... That's how you set a scene. And, uh, you know, funnily enough, like, I fucking loved Kirby and the Forgotten Land. That's the first landscape, is that. Yeah. Which is probably why I'm like, this is pretty fucking dope. Yeah, absolutely. But along that, they showed Sonic running around, like, forest areas, you know, the lovely desert level, the water level. Yeah, there's a dreaded water level, of course. I'll take a water level over a desert level every day. I agree with Zach. Fuck desert levels. <laughs> well, there is a desert level, it looks like, in this. Uh, one of my mm, comments, I'd say, it's not really a, a concern or a complaint, but I think it's a little weird and immersive breaking that they add the sonic platforms. Like, they have the spinning loops. They have the bouncing And the, like, red bouncy. Board. Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, I think that just, it looks a little out of place for the scenery that they're setting. Like, maybe it looks more realistic, more gritty in the world around you, but then you've got these colorful loop-de-loops that Sonic runs on, and it's just like, how are they floating? Why are they there? And this just looks weird. Okay, if, y- you might have a point. If they more modeled those kinds of natural existing platforming mechanics to, like, what the actual landscape is. Like, what if that ramp you're running up is actually the mountain itself and not just a ramp? So you're using, like, go the Breath of the Wild route where it's like, look, if you're doing open world, use the landscape. 
Absolutely. That's your platform. Don't drop in, you know, the classic arcade Sonic bouncy balls, you know? Okay. Like, give me giant mushrooms that look native to the land that I can bounce on. That's actually not a bad point. Yeah, give me tree branches that loop-de-loop that I can grind on. I was ready to get a little defensive, which is fucking funny because I don't give two shits about Sonic in general. <laughs> like, I like, I like Sonic, but I'm not... Like the, when will you learn, kid? You remember that guy? Oh, yeah. I hope he's doing all right. I, I hope he's doing Brother, all. do you need help? <laughs> so I think just to put it in simple, first of all, is there anything else from the trailer that you thought was notable? Uh, it's a lot less empty. The world actually yes. has things in it, and that's pretty much the last thing I noticed, aside from a more story mechanic that we'll hit on in a second. And again, I will say that I think the reason for that is because Nintendo wasn't spearheading this trailer. Simply put, I think Nintendo had to take some of that stuff out of the like the footage they were using. Because for as bad as the frame rates were in the trailer we saw from Nintendo, it would have been worse if they had just kept everything in there like they did in the most recent trailer. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like the frame rate drop from the Nintendo trailer... Reminded me a lot of like Breath of the Wild, you know, when you first en- enter the forest, yeah, the lost with the master or, sword, yeah. and immediately that frame rate drops. Yeah, everything just kind of stops working. That's that's a big concern for a Sonic game yes. like this. This is a very ambitious endeavor that Sega is, is going towards. Something that they have not done in the past. So, a couple more remarks I want to make. Um, first of all. You know what, before I get to mine, is there something that you wanted to Yeah, point out? yeah, I just wanted to give a little speculation on kind of what's happening in the trailer, especially kind of circling back to the, like, red error code and, like, right. that constructed a lot of the enemies and other things around you. Uh, partway through the trailer, you see that, like, broken red code on Sonic's glove, and he, like, shakes yes. it off, and he's, like, trying to shake it off. This all kind of tells me that I don't think this is real. I don't think Sonic is actually... Oh, my God. You're pulling out the tinfoil hat, aren't you? I am pulling no. out the tinfoil hat. No. I think Sonic's in a digital simulation. I think every store that sells tinfoil needs a sign of you. <laughs> like, don't sell to this guy. Do not sell to Zar. Hey! <laughs> and it's just me with a tinfoil wizard hat. <laughs> Glued tinfoil stars and moons on it. That's fucking funny. It's like, I, I made you guys one as well. <laughs> tinfoil hats for everyone. Yay! Okay, so we have seen a lot of games come out in the last um, half a decade that are maybe sequels or new titles, wherever it may be, but they put a lot of stock into being open world. And not, we keep saying it's because of Breath of the Wild. It's a trend that's been going on for a while now, but Breath of the Wild being as wildly successful and popular as it is, has definitely kind of pushed that forward. Well, and it it also showed the rest of the market and industry that a game that has never been considered open world can be. That, yes, absolutely true. The question I want to pose, though, because what we've been saying for the last, like, five, six months or whatever is we're almost getting a little sick of every game trying to be an open world experience like linearity is not in itself a problem no no and it's i've noticed that trend too going from like 10 years ago everything is level based you finish a level you load into the next level and that's that's where things are kind of diverging today everyone feels like they need to have that option of you can stand wherever you want and sometimes it's a hit, and sometimes it's not. So my question for you, Czar, how do you feel about open-world Sonic? Do you think it's going to hit, I, based on what you've seen? Based off of what I've seen, I think it could. I, I definitely think it could and has the potential. Um, there were a lot of moments where it, it switched to like a side-scrolling Sonic I again. I noticed that. That looked cool. It did look cool, but like we saw that in Mario Odyssey as well. You know, Mario would switch back and forth, and it was kind of an homage to the origin of that video game character. I'm just worried that they're trying with Sonic Frontiers to add all of the things that remind video gamers of Sonic 
and it's it's just going to get in the way of trying to move Sonic forward as a modern video game character. Hmm. Like they're just going to be too hung up on the nostalgia. Could be. I mean, and that that's also exhibited with all of the random Sonic platforming, like the bouncy balls and right. the ramps. And I guess the only reason I, where I would kind of offer a challenge to that is, like, does Sonic really need more help staying mainstream? Mm. It's Sonic. It's, it's true. Like, Sonic could not release a game for, like, ten years, and everyone would still know who Sonic is. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know. I... I think it will work. What do you What do you think? Same thing. I'm be I'm very optimistic about this game, and it's easy for me because I feel like Sonic fans' worst enemy is Sonic fans. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. It's like they're the ones who are being more pessimistic. I'm any pessimism pessimism we've exhibited has been because we're gaming commentators, and that's our job is to kind of yeah. Like, we're not looking at this specifically as a Sonic game. We're right. just looking at this as a game. But Sonic fans are the people who fucking, they love the franchise. They love the games. They love the characters. They're also the most pessimistic motherfuckers oh, yeah. when it comes towards Sonic. Oh, yeah. Like, most of the complaints I've seen so far about this game are coming from the Sonic fan base. Yeah, then, and that would that would check out. I mean, I, I at least I think the diehard fans would be the first ones to complain about any series. It's a, it's a notorious fan base. Yeah. Infamous. Kind of toxic, too. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But uh, just in general, I think this game has everything it needs to be successful. Um, all they need now is the execution. Yep. And we will be able to see how well they execute this on... November 8th. Good yeah. segue. November 8th, 2022 is the release date. And I guess, honestly, that's going to be the final question is... You think it's going to be good to go for that day? I think it will. I don't really see any reason why a Sonic game would need delayed, especially because it looks like they've had a long time to work on this game. So I wonder if Nintendo, obviously they've got Scarlet and Violet Pokemon coming out too, but I wonder if they're meaning for this then to be their big holiday blockbuster then is like they've got the Pokemons and then they've got Sonic Frontiers. I guess that's going to be their big holiday ad is for this game. So I don't know. I, I think it's going to be good, man. Yeah, I, I think it's shaken up to be a good holiday season. I think this game is shaken up to be a good game. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. All right, what is next on the docket? All right, next we are talking about Diablo on Earth. And now this is more of an article on Activision Blizzard itself. And we're going to start this off with a few stats. But this is coming to us from PC Gamer. All right, PC Gamer. So, Activision Blizzard uh, last year earned $332 million on PC. They earned $376 million on a combined console sales. Now, you may think to yourself, that's a lot of money, right? It is a lot of money. I can't fathom that much money. <laughs> yeah. However, their primary source of income is actually mobile gaming. How much did they make from just uh, the mobile gaming market in the last quarter? They pulled in a whopping $831 million. <laughs> What? They received more money on the mobile market than PC and console sales combined. Hold the fuck up. So they made a little less than... Uh, only. only. I say only. They made a little less than 700 mil on PC, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever but made $831 million from the P mobile? Yeah, What absolutely. the fuck? What are these people doing? Like, think of it this way. Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues, the amount of PC and console revenues, it's still not enough to surpass that Jesus mark. Christ. Just on your phone. I don't... I just don't understand. We talk so much shit on mobile gamers. Not just us. It's a joke within the gaming community. That yeah. mobile gamers are almost like sub-human gamers. <laughs> and now they're taking over the market. Like, that is where the lucrative side of gaming comes from, apparently, is these in-game microtransactions. Oh, my God. It's really funny, because when you think of mobile gaming, like, the fact that it's so successful is not a secret. We know how successful it is. But when we think about the gamers that are pursuing these mobile games, it's like the moms with Candy Crush. Yeah, yeah. Right? Kids with, like, 
Do kids play Doodle Jump or are we getting old? We're getting old. Doodle Jump is no longer. I was about to whip out Doodle Jump. Uh, <laughs> I miss Doodle <laughs> Jump. <laughs> Doodle Jump was great. Or like Cut the Rope. Did you play Cut the Rope? I played Cut the Rope. Uh, my Temple favorite, Run. Temple Run. Yes. My favorite was it was like office hoops or something where you yes, had to with like the fan and the yeah. ball yeah. and you're sitting in a cubicle trying to throw a little ball of paper into a trash can this is a little off topic but you and i were just doing our freshman year of college when flappy bird was huge yeah do you remember when like pe- the creators threatened to take it off the app store so people were bricking and then selling iphones with flappy bird for like 10 grand yeah you remember that yeah i think like the top selling was maybe fifty two thousand dollars for an iphone with flappy bird on it and you know the most hilarious part of that is they changed their mind they were like ah never mind we'll keep it yeah <laughs> well and i mean like you once you put something like that out into the world there's gonna be copies of it like you have created something that cannot be destroyed Correct. Yeah. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> but getting back to the article on this, this is kind of a, a circle back to a couple years ago when Blizzard was bitching at people for not having phones. What's wrong with you for having phones? <laughs> well, we sure showed them, I guess. We all got our phones now. All right. So what this article has clearly been showing us is I think... The hate and the way we've been thinking about the mobile gaming market is extremely misdirected. But you know what? I mean, if you really think about it, mobile gaming has been trying to break the mold anyway and get into, like, real gaming air quotes, right? Because, like, we've seen devices, like, you know, just a couple weeks ago we talked about the PlayStation Backbone. Yeah. And the whole point of that device... Well, then again, is that really mobile gaming, though? Because oh, yeah, absolutely, because you're, you're still using your phone as... Well, yeah, you're using your phone, but the game is not coming from the app store of the phone. You That's see what I'm saying? good point. Like, it's being sourced from an actual console. Like, in that case, your phone's just acting as almost like a tablet, just a device to stream. Yeah, I, that's that's what a, the fuck is happening. That's a gray area. That's a really tricky. I think we may have to come up with an entire new concept for that. Like that's a different style of gaming, but you do make a good point with uh, mobile gaming, trying to be more like actual. And I mean, I don't even want to say actual gaming because gaming is gaming. Gaming is gaming. Like it doesn't mean we're going to stop making fun of you. Yeah. The first (laughs) game that comes to my mind is elder scrolls blades. Okay. Because like, this is a game that is entirely mobile. Um, doesn't have to be because you can get it on your Switch as well. But it looks like Skyrim. Like you mm-hmm. look and feel like you are playing an Elder Scrolls game. And like 10 years ago when I was playing Flappy Bird on my phone, <laughs> yeah. I would have shit myself seeing Elder Scrolls blades you know graphics you look like someone who played plants versus zombies oh i love plants yeah that's versus what zombies. i fucking thought yeah <laughs> i still play plants versus zombies though mm. um and so yeah i i i don't hate the mobile market and i don't i i think it's funny to crack some jokes at the mobile market but we do have to examine the seriousness of this industry and like it is <laughs> far surpassing everything we're playing on. I mean, it's so weird how it has gotten its flack too, right? Because it's so accessible. Yeah. It's like everybody has a phone. Yeah. It it doesn't really make sense. Now, again, that doesn't mean we're going to stop making fun of them, but I mean, they should think of it. Do you remember the episode of South Park where Token was rich and everyone was making fun of him for being rich? So he felt like he didn't belong. But then at the end of the episode, they're like, well, dude, we're still friends. We make fun of each other all the time. It's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what it's been all along, right? Like, yeah. Because, I mean, like, if I were to bring up your typical Xbox player, <laughs> you and I are probably going to start thinking of the same kind of person. Oh, absolutely. I right? think we got that Mount picture. Mountain Dew drinking, Dorito eating, chubby. <laughs> Fox hat. Call of Duty <laughs> playing. <laughs> Right? Wearing a Marilyn Manson shirt, you know, all that stuff. And a PlayStation fan just, like, ruining their equipment. (laughs) These bougie assholes. I don't know why, but I usually think Banana Republic when I think PlayStation. Banana Republic! I don't know why. (laughs) I fucking hate those stores. Number one, they never make clothes of my size. They never have. (laughs) But, like, also, 
Why is it so dim in your store? <laughs> That's mostly aimed at Hollister. Turn on the lights. <laughs> Turn on the goddamn lights. Can't read the price tag. Mm. But no, I think I think the mobile market is is going to grow and I think we're going to see a change and I think it's going to be streamlined and very connected to consoles from here out. Do you almost feel because I mean like it's not like something new coming to the game industry is bizarre, right? Like with the way game streaming has been happening, you know, Google, Amazon, everyone trying to get into gaming, like the mobile gaming market increasing this much. It's just like old school couch gaming, man. It's almost becoming the minority. Yeah. And it's a little scary. It's, it's kind of a blip in history at this point because gaming is so vast of a definition from what it was just five to ten years ago. That's so true. Like That's honestly so true. We we have mobile gaming. We have cloud gaming. We have game streaming. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole new industry, and it's funny because like I know it's not on the mobile thing, but like I have friends who have defended like what Amazon and Google are doing, um, just like on more of like the innovative side because they've been like, well, did you just expect this to be what gaming is forever? Just Couch gaming on a controller, and I'm like, I was sure hoping so. I was hoping. <laughs> God damn, it's scary now. You know, or it's like, or the PC gamers have always been around, but they've always just been the goblins. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that as a PC guy. Just lurking. Yeah, just lurkers. All right. Well, I mean, the point is, yeah, you're absolutely right. We have to keep our eye on the mobile market now because, like, God damn, literally for Blizzard. Like, the, one of the biggest names in gaming right now, more than PC, more than Xbox, more than PlayStation, anything along those lines. More than the Luna, Amazon Luna. Yeah. Uh, Not the Luna. Not the Luna. <laughs> Not the, uh, all right, you ready to move on? All right, yes. Yeah, so the mobile market is overtaking consoles in sales. Now we are moving on to Sony versus Microsoft. Round one. And this is a couple uh, articles coming to us from Video Game Central and Twisted Voxel. So let's start with the one from Video Game Central because I think it's funny. Yes, yes. So the title of this article is Sony says it believes Xbox owning Call of Duty could influence users' console Yeah, no fucking shit. Yeah. And I mean, this seems like such a notion that is obvious that you would never think about. So first of all, what this article is referring to is because we talked about it briefly, but there's a chance it's not in stone, but there's a chance that Xbox might have the exclusive rights to call of duty at some point, right? Yes. And Xbox, uh, has actually expressed that a lot of these games will be timed exclusives or just exclusives to Xbox console as a whole. Mm. Um, which is actually funny because there's a tiny article later in today's episode that almost contradicts this article. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But basically, the notion is if your console's got Call of Duty, it'll sell. Because we all know... Well, that's true. That, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Call of Duty is one of those games that comes with consoles. It's one of the games that... Every every gamer just has it on their gaming shelf, whether they've played it or not. That's true. It, and it is one of the most popular games in gaming history. Hell, when we did Trivia Tomfoolery a couple weeks ago, uh, the highest selling game in 2017 was Call of Duty World War II. World War II was good. Yeah. World yeah. War II was good, though. I'll give them that one. World War II was good. And so this is, these articles are just basically Sony super worried that they're going to lose out on so many sales if Xbox keeps Call of Duty as an exclusive for themselves. Now, let's discuss the irony of PlayStation bitching about another franchise or another company taking exclusive games. Yeah, finally, Xbox has the high ground with exclusive. Well, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Okay, so let's say hypothetically, Xbox acquired Call of Duty, right? Well, they did. Like Activision it, Blizzard. Yes, right. So they've got Call of Duty now. I would still argue that even though that's more of a powerful ally in Xbox's corner, the quality of the exclusive still belongs to PlayStation. 
Yes, yes. I would keep. I would argue that. And I mean, come on, you want to play stray so badly, don't I you? I want to play. Stray I know you so want to play bad. stray. There's so many good PlayStation games I want to play, and like COD has never, could never seem like an exclusive game to me. It's it's just one of the most accessible games out there. Mm. Hell, back on the the mobile market, Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah. Like, that is yep. a huge mobile game right now. True. I, I see Sony's concern here, but there's just no way in hell that Call of Duty could stay as an exclusive. I'm personally, as a, as a Sony fanboy, I'm excited because you remember those Mountain Dew drinking, Dorito-eating kids that I was talking about a minute ago? Oh, yeah. If Call of Duty leaves Sony, sure, they're going to bitch and complain because they're losing a solid chunk of money, but all those people go straight to you. Yeah, yeah, so, all, all of those people go the I'll way of the box. I'll take my business elsewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, kid. Uh-huh. I mean, like, that that's a very likely case. I'd like to see a statistic of how many people are actually playing on PlayStation versus PC and Xbox, because I feel like the majority of COD players are going to be playing on PC. That's true. But the, younger, uh, the amount of younger gamers, though, probably console. Yeah, but get those 10-year-olds out of my queue. Oh, no, they're going straight to your queue. No. Straight out of mine and straight into yours. (laughs) Fuck. So I'm like, first, I literally own every console brand, by the way, so I say fuck it. (laughs) And also, I don't play Call of Duty. Oh. (laughs) So, I mean, fuck it. But I'm just saying Sony bitching about exclusives is fucking laughable and nobody cares. Yeah, well, okay, and think of it this way. Um, if Sony is really worried about this, why don't they take matters into their own hands? They do have a World War II style exclusive, Medal of Honor. Oh, I forgot about yeah. Medal of Honor. When was the last time we saw a Medal of Honor game? That is a Sony exclusive. Start building that out because, yes, That's a good fucking point. COD will probably come to your system because it's COD. But in the in the instance that it doesn't, you best be preparing. And Medal of Honor is that game to prepare with. That's so fucking. Is there an opportunity there? I mean, if they see it, I mean, they're not going to see it because they're too busy bitching and moaning and complaining. But that's a great fucking point, actually. Exactly. Start making this game how you want it, PlayStation, and let Xbox have COD. And it's funny because COD is so polarizing for gamers in general. That if they actually took your advice, that's an opportunity for them to go, hey, we've been listening to every complaint and every shitty thing about Call of Duty, and now we're offering a game huh? that yeah. fixes those problems. Here you go. And it's exa- it's exactly yeah. like that game over there. Ooh. That's, that's, that's exactly what yeah. Sony should do. It's a good fucking point. When was the last time Medal of Honor even made an appearance? Oh, it had to have been like 2007, maybe even Jesus, 2005. Man. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But I had a lot of fun with the Medal of Honor series. People say that they were great games. Yeah. Hell, th- th- this is my fa- my dad's favorite game genre is war games, which, <laughs> oh, that's kind of weird saying it out loud. But that, yeah, like Call of Duty, he was the one who introduced Call of Duty to me. Huh. Medal of Honor, I remember staying up late at night watching my dad play those games because he loved them. Yeah. Uh, he never got into Battlefield, yeah. weirdly enough. But Medal of Honor and Call of Duty, he loved, so... Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I just, I don't think that Sony should be spending their time complaining about this. Yes, it's a big concern and it's a big worry. And Xbox is just sitting in their ivory tower laughing at what PlayStation is going to do next. And it's funny you say that because the next article um, that we have kind of to lead off this conversation, the one coming from Twisted Voxel, from Muhammad Ali Bari, so thank you, Muhammad, says Microsoft defends Activision Blizzard acquisition, claims studio makes no must-have games. So while they have Call of Duty and Sony's bitching about it, Microsoft is going, what? No. Uh, they don't have any no. games worth No, buying. no. It's like just a huge pile of money behind them. Like, what? What? No. Must-have games? Where are those? So what is this article telling us? Well, this article is basically taking shots at a company that Microsoft just bought. They're huh. like, they don't have any good games for you to bitch about. <laughs> so you shut your mouth. Okay, but here's the other side of that. 
If that were actually true, why did you buy them? Yeah, right? Like, why did you invest so much in Overwatch? Yes. World of War, or yeah, World of Warcraft. Obviously, you don't really believe that. Absolutely. Like, must-have games, Overwatch and World of Warcraft are kind of the two that come to mind. A world, I mean, Overwatch is still huge. Overwatch 2 flopped already, but... And I don't know how Microsoft has the audacity to call Call of Duty not a must-have. Because, like... Everybody has Call like of Duty. Like, news for you, if it weren't a must-have, we wouldn't be getting one new game a year out of the Call of Duty franchise. Right? I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, that's that's ridiculous. This this article, as kind of a, a clap back to the first article with Video Game Central, just is really funny to me because it just feels like Microsoft broke a lamp and they're trying to sweep it under a rug. <laughs> be like, no, 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 this lamp, what, yeah. there's never a lamp there. So that's just fucking funny. That That is really funny. Here's the thing, and I don't know if the, I don't even know if this is my real opinion. I'm just kind of talking to kind of get my thoughts out there. I think it's an interesting idea to have more exclusives go to each console, and it's not one that necessarily upsets me. I guess because, like, from that view, there actually would be more of a difference in getting PlayStation versus Xbox, for example, right? Whereas, like, everybody's bitching right now just for the sake of bitching. Yeah. But at least then, like, if there were more exclusives uh, going to each one of these games, like, at least there'd be a real tangible difference between getting an Xbox and a PlayStation and people would actually be able to have real conversations. On the other hand... The reason why that's stupid is because then you need to make people buy two different consoles for different kinds of games that they want to play. Yeah. And that's obviously not right either, which is why I'm saying, like, I'm just kind of talking for the sake of talking to kind of put thoughts out there. And I I get your point, and that is very much a Catch-22 situation because it's like if you open up the market and every single game that's ever made from Mario to Halo goes to every single console, making it virtually identical, then, I mean, there's a lot of problems with that. None that I can really think of right now, other than the fact that it's just kind of boring and there's no incentive for these companies to make money. I mean, there's the obvious capitalism answer, right? Where it's like, well, the competition makes everybody work harder and, uh, you know, better stuff comes to the contrast because everyone wants to compete, which is the stupid... You know, oh, I'm going to be a billionaire someday attitude, so I better be nice to him. Yeah. (laughs) I don't see a point to that, though. Like, I want to play Jack and Daxter on my Xbox. I want to play Mario on my Xbox. No, uh, hold up. Jack and Daxter is ours. Don't you dare. (laughs) But oppositely to that situation, um, the competition is good and bad as well. Right. Um, It makes sense that you have these exclusives and gives conversation you know, substance where I got Jack and Daxter, I got Halo, and it it gives you that sense of fulfillment and enjoyment when you're playing a game that is exclusive to that console. Yeah, there's different perspectives to this whole conversation. Ultimately, what I think is the most important is that your average consumer, your average person that wants to play video games doesn't have to buy eight different fuck you know eight different fucking consoles to play all these games that they want to play but at the same time like we're in a we're in an atmosphere where it's already almost like that anyway right because it's like if you want the Nintendo experience at all you must own a Nintendo console yep like that's uh, the way it is and then with Xbox PlayStation PC yeah you're going to get some to quite a bit of overlap but there are exclusives for each one of them yeah you know it, it, it's weird uh, yeah, that's one of those things that it's it just kind of is. So the point I'm trying to get at is simply this. PlayStation having the audacity to bitch about other people having exclusives is so ironic, but also just a very stupid comment to make, in my opinion, because that's the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you've had a hand in making it that way. Yeah, 100%. Like, you have the exclusives too. Right. Exactly. In fact, wasn't PlayStation created because of some deal with Nintendo that a gaming company wanted to make didn't go through? So they're like, fuck it, we'll make our own console. I think so. Isn't something that like how that. it went? Something like that. We'll have to look more into that. Is, is Sony an American-founded company, or was it founded in Japan? I don't remember. I, 
I'm going to have to look more into it. Yeah, well, regardless, I think, I'm pretty sure that PlayStation was made as a competition to Sega and Nintendo. Right. I know at the start, it was basically like Sega and Nintendo. Neither got an idea from the other. They Mm. were just in competition. But I think PlayStation was made to compete. All right, man. Is there anything else you want to add to this conversation, or should we move on to some quick takes? I think it is time to move on to the quick takes. All right. So we actually have a quick take that I'm relatively excited about first up. PSVR 2. Now, we got a tweet, right? Just one cryptic tweet, which are my favorite kind of tweets, (laughs) from PlayStation UK. And I'm like, uh, first of all, UK doesn't know shit. But but what they did is they tweeted out a photo of PSVR 2 saying, coming early 2023. And to my knowledge, this is the first time we've actually seen, like, what the headset with the hand paddles are going to look like in its full rendering. Mm-hmm. So I'm also going to be posting this to Twitter so everybody can see. Um, but just in case you have not taken a look at it yet, Zar, what do you think of the headset? Just first thoughts, first initial, it first look, initial thoughts. It looks like the future. It looks sleek and modern, and there are no corners. Nope. It's all rounded. It's all round. Yeah. Um, I am also noticing, uh, at least for the hand paddles, there's no cords. We do have a cord that's coming to the ha- the headset, but it looks like a much less intrusive cord Yeah, than what we had on the first PlayStation VR, which is what I have, by the way. And boy, that thing is fun, but it's a bitch to set up. Yeah, I bet. So, um, Other than that, the hand paddles kind of look like... Uh hilt guards like on a sword sword? yeah yeah yeah. hilt guard is i think what that term is which i think that's cool you just fit your hands into like a glove Mm -hmm. it is gonna be cool um and actually like i can tell that they took a lot of notes from the uh, meta quest 2 with this headset because it's clear like just from the way the hand paddles look the way the headset looks the way the headset's probably gonna work that they took a lot of notes. In fact, I think one of the only things that they didn't want to absolutely kind of dive off for immediately was full-on wireless. Yeah. Because we can clearly see that there's some wire coming out of the headset. So, we'll see. Hopefully that wire is not in the way. And it doesn't look like it. It does look a little hidden, but the way the photo is framed, it, like... Blurs the cord out so you're not seeing the full apparatus. I will say one other thing that I think the VR2, PSVR2 headset does uh, that Meta could take a note on is you can actually kind of see a little bit of a headband that goes on above the headset. Oh, yeah. Now that'll keep it actually secure on your head instead of just bobbling around. People complain all the time that the original uh, strap that came on the Quest 2 headset was... Okay, but it left a lot to be desired as far as like, you know, with the fast movements, making sure that things were secure and comfortable on your head. And then, of course, Meta was like, well, you could buy the pro headset strap and band for $50. <laughs> and they're like, do you like that voice? <laughs> I did like that voice. <laughs> but no, PlayStation VR 2, it looks like they're diving right in with a little bit more support off the bat. So there's going to be a lot of pros and cons of this headset versus other headsets on the market. I'm really excited to see what it does. And of course, early 2023, it's going to be wild to see if they can hit that or not. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see how it works. It looks sleek. It looks like the future. I agree. Can't wait to see you play. All right, next quick take. All right, next. This is the Circle Back article that I was talking about when Sony was bitching about exclusives. Yay! So this article is coming from Video Game Central by Tom Ivan, and it is basically about something Phil Spencer says. Hmm. Big ol' Xbox boss Phil Spencer expects the number of platform exclusive games to decline over the coming years. (sighs) This fucking guy. So... (laughs) that, Like I said, a little bit contradictory to that previous article... They're lying. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil, Phil Spencer is like, yeah, we're we're going to start making things not as exclusive anymore while Sony is still shitting bricks over COD. First of all, like, I, I know we love Phil Spencer because he's seen as kind of like 
one of the last pinnacles of goodness in the gaming industry for now. Right, as in, like, he's somebody that actually wants to put the consumer first before, like, the product, the making the money, those things. He comes off as that. But we still have to keep in mind that Phil Spencer is a fucking businessman. Xbox is a business, and they would not do anything if they didn't think it was going to make them money. Absolutely. Like, no business just does things out of the kindness of their hearts. And plus, you're 100% correct. This completely goes against what everybody else is saying about Xbox, right? With the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Why, like, wow, you guys are going to get such a huge library of games that only you have now. That's cool. And Phil's like, no, it's not going to be like that. Yeah. It's like, it totally is. <laughs> um, this is this is the part of the article that I wanted to hit on because this is the direct reference to those previous articles. Spencer was speaking against the backdrop of Microsoft's proposed $68.7 billion <laughs> acquisition of Call of Duty publisher Activision Blizzard, which is being scrutinized by regulators. In its first response to Microsoft for proposing the acquisition, this is when PlayStation says that Call of Duty should remain multi-platform due to contractual agreements, but we'll see if that happens. This I, is, this is, these last, those last three articles that relate to each other is just how do you make sense of any of this? I mean, someone's lying here and you could kind of take your pick of who it is. To anyone with a little bit of pessimism here, they're like, okay, Xbox is fucking lying. Yeah. Like Microsoft is fucking lying. They know they're about to make oodles of money. They know they're about to have exclusives. And I'll say this about Sony. At least they're being very candid that what they care about is the money. Yeah. Yeah, they straight up, they what you see is what you get. You know, the, the, you remember that Mr. Krabs quote from the SpongeBob movie? Why are you doing it? Why did you build a second restaurant right next to your first restaurant? Money. Money. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 what I think is the most important thing to infer with this quick take article in relation to the previous articles is that Xbox is claiming that there's going to be less console exclusives, but they're not saying which ones will not be console exclusives. That's true. Spencer is not saying that all of their games are going to be less exclusive and they're going to go to multiple platforms. He's just saying less and less are going to be exclusive. Okay, that's fair. That's fair, but that is also some very tricky syntax. It is some that is very clearly, tricky syntax. Clearly indicative of businessman tactics. Absolutely. And so this is not done. We will have to see if COD becomes exclusive or remains exclusive here out. So expect more articles like this in the future. All right, and what is this last piece we have about Starfield? Again, coming to us from Muhammad Ali Bari. Muhammad, hey. you're on a roll today, sir. Shout out. All right, yes. Starfield composer Ainon Zer says it is twice the size of their biggest game. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a Bethesda game, though, so that's a bit worrying. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Because yeah. up until now, what has been Bethesda's biggest project? I think Skyrim? No. If it's not Skyrim, it's got to be one of the Fallouts. Fallout 4's map was bigger than Skyrim, but I think Fallout 76, that map was bigger than Fallout 4. So Jesus I, Christ. I'd imagine it'd be Fallout 76 is probably their largest map. And that uh, the fact that you're comparing this to 76 even is worrying, because 76 was notoriously released completely unfinished. Yeah, it, it really was. And I mean, even as an MMO style game, there was just nothing there. And the landscapes, while vast, were very, very empty. Interesting. And we're going into space, into Starfield. So you can only imagine that, that they're proposing is twice as big and probably twice as empty because it's space. I don't know if you know this about space. It's pretty empty. It's pretty empty. <laughs> and like with the planets, it just, I don't think it's going to be as big as everyone keeps hyping it is. Either it is, it's not as big, or this game is never going to be fucking released because it's just too ambitious of a project. They're cyberpunking it. They are cyberpunking it, and it is a little bit worrisome. 
We'll have to... We'll see. Because... Bethesda is its own anomaly in the gaming industry, right? Where, like, I don't doubt that they're going to put something out when they say they will. Because that's not Bethesda's style, is, like... Bethesda's good at meeting those deadlines. They're just not good at meeting expectations. Yeah, they'll pretty much <laughs> give you whatever product they have finished by that deadline. And then they'll rely on patches. They'll rely on DLC. They'll rely on whatever the fucking they, expansions. They fix it after the fact, which is something Bethesda really needs to get away from. Now, to be fair, if you can create Skyrim, I'm sure you could do this just... It's another one of those instances where it's just like, just please take your time. Yeah. Oh, I know Bethesda can make this game. Will this game work is the bigger question. And I mean, I will also say working against them here is like an acquisition, like what Microsoft is doing to Activision Blizzard, is definitely going to shuffle up management. I know Microsoft says, oh, no, you'll be exactly the way you are now. Just now you belong to us. But but think of all the paperwork, all there's the transitions, a lot. Yes, there's, all the red tape. There's going to be, yeah, exactly. So, you know, production's going to be slowed slightly by that. I just hope they're not fucking themselves. Yeah, yeah. I guess, for lack of a better term. But it's still going to be a Bethesda game, and I love that, so. Yeah, I know. And ultimately, they rely on people like you, <laughs> who's like, it's Bethesda, we know. Yeah, basically. I, we know what <laughs> we're getting into. I'm preparing myself. Anything else you want to say before we get into some upcoming games? I don't believe so. Bethesda's latest project, Starfield, is massive. That is the takeaway. Oh, God, I can't wait to play. I can't wait to see if it sucks or not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some game releases. On September 1st, we have Ooblets coming to Xbox One, Switch, and PC. On September 2nd, we have JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. Coming to PS5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. That's either E-rated or M-rated. R. <laughs> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. Um, I don't know. JoJo's, I I watch anime, a little bit of anime. Um, I never liked JoJo's. <laughs> Not heard so, of it. So, I don't know what it's going to be. Also on September 2nd, we have LEGO Brawls coming to PS5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We also have Made in Abyss, Binary Star Falling into Darkness coming to PlayStation 4, Switch, PC, and uh, who's naming these fucking games? The same people who are naming Kingdom Hearts titles? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, on September 2nd, we have The Last of Us Part 1, the remaster coming to the PS5. So this is the second remaster of this game. Yes, that's a funny story that we'll get into here in a second. <laughs> On September 6th, we have Biomutant coming to PS5 and the Xbox Series. We have Temtem coming to PS5, Xbox Series, Switch, and PC. And finally, we have the Tomorrow Children, Phoenix Edition, coming to PS5 and PS4. All right, let's talk about The Last of Us for a second. Yeah. So whatever your thoughts are of The Last of Us Part 2, The Last of Us Part 1, is one of the greatest video games that have ever been, been fucking created, no doubt. That's how it's been regarded. The game released for the PS3 in 2013. Oh, fuck, I forgot it released on the PS3. Exactly. It's a long time ago. Yeah, but the PS4 released in that same year, so the remaster came out w not even a full year after oh, the yeah. game was made. I remember that. Right? So, originally on PS3, technically remastered, um, very early lifespan of the PS4. And now it's being remastered a third fucking t a second time, right, for PS5. Ha! Huh. So, you know how to Xbox Skyrim is the game they just won't let go? Yeah. I'm almost afraid that The Last of Us is going to almost be the same thing for PlayStation. Like, eventually you'll be able to play this on the Samsung smart fridge, <laughs> the Google Toilet. I hope not. I hope they hold on to this exclusive, but I really hope that they don't continue to optimize and port this to every PlayStation in the future. And I mean, I guess the other difference for me, this might be an unpopular opinion. I think Skyrim is timeless. I do too. I think no, you I could think it is. jump in whenever, and it's just a fantastic fucking game, really well made, holds up to the test of time. Oh yeah. One, if you're one of those people who wanted to play The Last of Us, on the other hand, you've probably already done it. Yeah. You know, that that feels topical. Like, that. that's... You're gonna play it when it's hyped. 
Exactly. And if you missed the hype train, well, you kind of missed it. Like, we all have fond me- memories. All us PlayStation peeps, we've got fond memories of The Last of Us. But until The Last of Us Part 2 came up, how many of us ever, like, revisited the game? I mean, I've never played the game, so I can't tell you. <laughs> oh, dude, you gotta get a PlayStation. Tell me about it, man. <laughs> and all right, man, I think that is gonna do it for this episode. What do you think? Yeah, that was a good episode we had there. We miss you, Zach. Eh, speak for yourself. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I miss you, Zach. So, anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Insert Zach's bye here. Bye. Bye. A Huda Media Production.